so learning to um, delegate and becoming willing to to delegate and again not in this top-down sort of model but really you know a collaborative horizontally hierarchical way you know that that was already becoming a, a really strong part of of new dialect and then i think you know my illness expedited the process for us welcome to artist as leader where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership I'm Corey Madden. And I'm Rob Kramer. In this episode, you'll meet dancer and choreographer Banning Bolding, the founder and artistic director of the Nashville-based contemporary dance company, New Dialect. Banning grew up in Nashville, but received her dance training at the Juilliard School in New York, before going on to have a successful career dancing, teaching, and choreographing across the U.S., Canada, and Europe. She returned to her hometown 10 years ago and founded New Dialect. Nashville's first professional contemporary dance company, very quickly positioning contemporary dance as one of the cultural pillars of Nashville's rapidly expanding arts scene. New Dialect is also a dance research lab and serves the community as Nashville's first daily dance training program. New Dialect's most recent summer intensive welcomed 50 dancers from across North and Latin America. In 2016, Banning suddenly experienced numbness and weakness in her limbs. She eventually received a diagnosis and it brought up a lot of questions about how she would lead her company in the future. We'll hear more about that in the interview. Banning spoke to me from her home in Nashville, Tennessee. I started by asking her if she considers herself a leader. I consider myself both an artist and a leader, yes. Tell me more. Um, well, for me, the two are not mutually exclusive. Um, that, you know, inherent in my practice as a former dancer, now choreographer, creative director, producer, um, yeah, and the the leader of a nonprofit arts organization. I see how you know my experience in the field of dance has equipped me for leadership, and vice versa. There's sort of a, a dialogue between the two that is um, a through line for me in my current experience as um, an artist and leader, for sure. So, Banning, how do you then? Um, would you say that the skills from your discipline in dance and directing and choreography translate? to the skills you use as a leader? You know, I spent a lot of time in my career as a dancer in contexts that were highly collaborative, where um, I was in, engaging in, in companies and creative processes where there was a constant sort of exchange of leadership, whether that was like the nonverbal proposal making that happens whenever you're in an improvised partnership, um, or in the, the very verbal context of, um, you know, teaching a class um, offering like language to help creatively direct the group that you're working with. Um, and certainly as a, as a choreographer. So for me, there wasn't like a hard and fast, um, date where I, I suddenly felt myself like, Oh, I'm a leader now. Um, it was a much more uh, progressive process. Um, I will say that when I started, uh, I was living, um, in Sweden and then in France for about five and a half years. Um, in the mid 2000s. And while I was in France, I started teaching a lot more um, and really developing my own curriculum, movement curriculum and language. Um, and the more time I spent, um, I want to say in front of the room, but it's not that. It's like, you know, working to, to illustrate and to um, expound using language as much as I was using my physical body to illustrate. I've I really began to to fall in love with that particular way of relating to dancers and other artists using 
language as a means of unlocking a, a multitude of different responses rather than um, kind of asking people to monkey see, monkey do. Um, and so, yeah, I would say really, like, if I had to give a time frame, uh, starting in 2007, I was spending a lot more time in what we would consider like a, a directorial capacity, um, fell in love with engaging with dancers, mentoring dancers in that way, um, which ultimately led me to do what I'm doing now, which, you know, is... I'm also the founder and director of a nonprofit organization. Um. Later, I asked her to explain if and how the skills she learned in her dance and choreography work have translated to the skills she uses as a leader. Oh, when you say the skills I use as a leader, do you mean the skills I use as the director of a nonprofit? Or because for for me, um, you know, a lot of how there's a lot of. Um, crossover and overlap between my the different leadership roles and co-leadership roles I have with New Dialect, which is the nonprofit I run. Um, right. So the, the definition we've been using mm-hmm. for leading is the ability to gain willing followers mm-hmm. towards, a, towards a vision mm-hmm. within the given context that the leader is working in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great definition. Um, Thank you. Yeah. You know, I would say that for me, so in, in my training, I was really fortunate to to study at the Juilliard School under the direction of um, a brilliant man named Ben Harkarvey, who's no longer with us. His philosophy um, was really about developing artists as citizens. And he believed that the studio was a place for um, connecting to ourselves, connecting to each other in the spirit of inclusion and diversity, that it was a space for positive acts um, and then it needed to be that in order for our art form to have the kind of transformative effect that it it can, and I would say like ought to have on the audiences and the communities that we serve. So, you know, I was 15 years old when I met him for the first time and was exposed to this way of thinking about um, dancing, art making, um, and also uh you know, developing a value system around the kind of person I wanted to be. And so, you know, thinking about and and making strides with my work as an artist to that are that are really rooted in like how how am I um, engaging with my community right now? Is the work that I'm doing, um, you know, having a positive galvanizing impact? Do I need to you know reassess? Um, and then I can't have any of those conversations in a vacuum by myself. Um, you know that they're they're relational in nature those those questions those conversations so you know I would say that for me you know when I first I moved back to Nashville Tennessee which is where I grew up um, from Paris France after you know I had said earlier about five and a half years of living overseas working as a dancer with a couple of companies and teaching and and really getting to know, um, moving back to Nashville, getting to know um, the dancers who were here, the teachers who were here, um, is the the talented folks who were, um, you know, working in their own corners, trying to create work, trying to get funding support, um, looking for professional development opportunities, and and seeing, you know, within the first year of being here, that God, there's just so much potential and passion um, and that I could help by drawing on my experience and the artists that I knew to try to create some of the opportunities that had historically 
been missing in Nashville, whether they were, you know, professional development workshops, which is how we started. Um, and certainly like, you know, a full-time paid, uh, professional dance collective in Nashville, contemporary dance collective specifically. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, long answer to your short question, it's like, you know, connecting the, the community here, um, staying open to their needs, um, being willing to ask questions, to listen to their answers, to brainstorm with other leaders um, in the arts community to you know, make proposals, make leadership proposals in terms of like new infrastructure that could exist, um, developing a new class series. And over time, you know, as New Dialect has grown and continuing to implement that kind of curious relationship-based approach, um, I've found that, you know, what we set out to to build or what I hoped to, to build for, for artists locally is met larger needs nationally and even internationally, um, that we now have people traveling to Nashville from all over North America, Latin America, um, even Europe and Israel, um, to come and grow with us, learn with us, exchange with us, um, Great, I love it. The, you know, the what you're making me think of is a, another interview we did with Vivian Howard, who's a chef uh, in a very small community in rural North Carolina. And essentially, and now she's a celebrity chef. She's won major awards. She had a TV show. She's getting ready to launch a second TV show. And but what she did moving to this small community where she grew up to start her restaurant was have an intentional finger on the pulse of community development. She, ultimately, what she's done is done economic development for the town of Kinston, North Carolina. And um, in surprising ways, you can see how the town has built up around her restaurant over the years. And it sounds spanning like it's a similar thing for what you're doing is having a sensitivity to your community, engaging your community, uh, seeing what the community needs, and then building your programs around that need. Is that accurate? That's absolutely it. I mean, and I think that that's why we have been, or New Dialect has been successful in a relatively short period of time. I mean, listen, we built a contemporary dance training program and professional company in Nashville where there had never been one before. And the fact that we consistently, you know, sell out shows, that we have artists traveling from all over the place to come and train with us, I think is a testament to to the fact that we are meeting needs where we are um, and that we're actively, um, yeah, that's foundational to who we are, that we're actively working to continue to meet those needs, to ascertain what they are, how they're evolving and, and how we can serve our community through our art form. I'm curious for you, Banning, on a on a personal note, is is there, and this is very subjective, is there, um, do you find more satisfaction coming back to your home community and doing this work versus doing what you did abroad with, you know, major dance companies? What's the difference for you between leading and developing in your home versus doing it abroad? Sure. I mean, well, I would say that all of the experience that I had as a, you know, a young dancer in training and then you know, working and living as a professional dancer in cities like Chicago and New York, Stockholm and, and Paris, that all of those experiences, they had their own pros and cons um, and, and were each and all wonderful learning opportunities for me that I am, you know, that are a part of the fabric of my personhood now. Um, I, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing in, in Nashville and the, the way that I'm 
doing what I'm doing without all of those experiences. Um, so I, I see them more as like a uh, on a continuum. But I, I mean, as far as starting new dialects, I think for me, I wouldn't have even had the idea were it were I not in Nashville and in a place where I could see that there were needs that weren't being met. That for me to like create new dialect in New York City or in Paris or in another larger dance mecca, it's like it just doesn't make sense there because it's not needed there. Here it was. And and that's where the ideas came from, the programs and all of the activities were developed out of a desire to um, connect and meet the needs of the communities here. So I love it. And I love the generative aspect of one thing led to another and, mm-hmm. and, and your ability as an artist to see the need in this community uh, and then bring in the skill set and the experience you brought to combine community engagement with artistic vision. It's been so meaningful for me. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not fond of like com- comparison in this way, but when I look at my career as a dancer and and how singular my focus was um, versus the um, gosh, like the broader scope that I've I've developed leading leading new dialect has just been it's been so meaningful for me this work of um, being involved in the community and and having a positive impact, at least endeavoring to. You know. I then asked Banning if she'd be comfortable talking about her illness. She said yes. So as you're having these successes, um, you've had to now deal with some health issues, correct? Yes, I have. Yeah. You were diagnosed with MS, I believe? I was, yeah. I had my first episode in November 2016. Um, you know, after having spent my whole life being incredibly coordinated and athletic, um, I woke up one morning and couldn't feel my legs, my arms, my hands, my feet, had difficulty walking, um, and ended up in the hospital um, for a week of tests while they were trying to figure out what was going on. It took it took some time for me to get a diagnosis, which is not uncommon with multiple sclerosis. Um, but yeah, ultimately, that's the diagnosis I received. Wow. And yeah, it's been a um, you know an an extraordinary challenge. I will say that, um, and an an opportunity in its own way too. You know, certainly as a leader who's interested in um, collaboration and um, you know the inherent sort of like relational dynamics that are at play in an, in a communal art form such as dance, um, I have really had to learn to not just rely on, but like develop new skill sets and and how I use language to um, communicate and illustrate uh, both choreographically and really leaning into this sort of horizontal hierarchy of co-leadership where there are certainly days when I I don't, it's not that I don't feel well, like I can sleep it off and I'll feel better in 24 hours. There, there are days, weeks even where, you know, I just have, I have difficulty moving around. And so, um, you know, the collaborative co-leadership model that we're operating in with New Dialect has been really fantastic in that way. It's like, it's, it's built in already for, for other people to lead other things so that I can take care of myself and, and come back. But yeah, no, it's definitely been a challenge. You were hinting at it and talking about the co-leading model. What have you learned as a as a leader? How has this this you know health challenges impacted the way you view yourself as a leader and as a leader of artists? 
in a lot of ways, it's it's reinforced what I already suspected that true leadership isn't um, isn't found in like uh, the kind of strength that we I think so socially and culturally assumes like you know it's like the strong person um, with the most X Y or Z um, and the sort of top down approach, um, but that in fact my limitations and oftentimes um, my need uh, for other people and collaboration for support that that provides a clearing and opens up avenues for other people to uncover their own leadership um, potential and to develop skill sets in that way, which I think as far as our collective is concerned, it's really um, contributed to an environment of like transparency, um, clear communication, trust, long-term commitment to each other. Um, yeah, it's, it's like make, uh, sounds terrible, but not making lemonade out of lemons, but I, I certainly see some of the, the, I think the gifts or the benefits that have come from, you know, something that at the outset was just terrifying. <laughs> I couldn't, in the beginning, I couldn't see much except for um, everything that I feared I would lose. And in the end, I've ended up gaining um, skill sets and relationships that just wouldn't have been available to me without what happened to my body and what's happening in my body. So it's this fine line of, you know, of course, I've, I feel grief from time to time, um, but I also have a lot of gratitude for the things that, um, you know, my life with MS and having MS is teaching me about leadership specifically, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm fully aware that if I'm, you know, if I'm the only person who's taking care of things, then we can only grow and serve as much as my capacity will allow. And so learning to um, delegate and becoming willing to, to delegate, and again, not in this top-down sort of model, but really um, in a, you know, a collaborative, horizontally hierarchical way, um, you know, that, that was already becoming a, a really strong part of, of New Dialect. And then I think you know, my illness expedited the process for us. I ended the interview by asking Banning what she thinks it would take to encourage more artists to step up and lead. Oh, well, one, I mean, I can speak for my art form and from my experience specifically. I think, you know, the education model or the pervading education model for dance, um, you know, oftentimes young dancers, when they're first beginning their studies, there's such an emphasis on discipline and quiet um, behavior. Um, we're praised for our wordless obedience. You see a lot of like nodding, you know, and there, there's not, um, you know, and I know there are a number of programs that are working to, to address these issues. New Dialect also um, is working to address these issues. But you know, I think we could be doing a lot more to encourage dialogue in the classroom at an early age, um, to encourage um, young people to practice using their voices, especially women, um, and really nurturing their creativity, not just their ability to take direction. Um, nurturing artists, young artists' ability to like dialogue with each other and giving them helpful tools to be able to problem solve so that, that they're actually equipped for, um, you know, when they get into their professional careers, you know, they're 
emotionally mature. They're in touch with their creativity. They have the courage to use their voices. They know how to respond to proposals. They have tools to relate to each other. I think we could go a long way with reassessing the um, education model in the dance field for sure. I love that. Uh, is there any advice you wish you had received when you were a young artist leader? Yeah, I mean, really, it deals with, you know, with what I just said. I think, um, you know, as a as a younger artist, I was really, really focused on pleasing people in front of the room. Um, and, and it wasn't until I met Ben Harkarvey and, and spent four years at Juilliard that I started to, you know, unpack that and, and to consider what we were doing in a more relational way um, and, and less about a... a you know, making sure that my directors were pleased with me. Um, yeah, I think I, I would have loved to have had more encouragement to use my voice um, and to not be afraid to, to, to stand in a group full of people and to express my ideas. I mean, I certainly am in my late 30s now and, and uh, I've had a lot of practice doing that at this point. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one, one thing I wish I'd heard is, you know, don't be afraid to use your voice. Wow. That was an inspiring interview for me, Rob. Yeah, me too. I mean, the things she's had to overcome, you know, what stood out for me right away was the importance of her, her mentor early on in her career, Ben Harker at Juilliard, uh, how that really shaped the way she looked at being an artist as a citizen and uh, engaged in social justice really led a lot of her career choices. Absolutely. I think when she moved back to Nashville, the fact that the way that she decided to lead really came from seeing that there were needs in the community that weren't being met. And I think that that's that kind of original impulse that you really see someone acting both in their own behalf, but also in the on behalf of other people and on behalf of the community. Yeah. And I love the way she figured out how she wanted to take action. You know, it sounds simple, but she engaged the community and she asked questions and she listened. She did a lot of listening and then she figured out what the needs were, what the community wanted. And it was that dialogue sort of between artist and leader um, that led her to be the founder and creative director of New Dialect. Right. And that when she had to face a life challenge, that what she really was able to see was that a collaborative approach to leadership would actually allow her to continue to be a leader, to keep empowering other people and incorporate her life into her art, which I think is such an important idea um, for artists today because they're balancing so many different demands. Yeah, it really drew out a part of her personality and leadership style that never might have emerged otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, the one one other thought that I really have is just how exciting it is to see artists working in places like Nashville and making a life and that you don't have to go to New York City. You really can be making something so vibrant and so important in communities like Nashville. Totally agree. That's it for this episode of Artist as Leader. This podcast is produced by Pierre Carlo Talenti. Our theme music is by The Dimes. Special thanks to Daniel Jones. If you'd like to read a longer version of this interview, please be sure to visit our website at uncsa.edu slash artistisleader. We'd love to hear from you too, so please find us on Facebook at Keenan Institute for the Arts and leave us your thoughts. If you admire any extraordinary artist leaders yourself, please let us know. We're eager to hear your ideas. I'm Rob Kramer. And I'm Corey Madden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.